0: Welcome to the ScareHouse Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dutters, and I'm joined today by co-host, Scott Simmons. Hello. It's Scott doing Scott things. <laughs> <laughs> and today, we have Adam Johnston from Poison Props. Hey, Adam, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: Good. How's your... I You got Midwest... Or not Midwest. Oh, my gosh. Trans World in, what, two weeks now?
1: Not
2: even two weeks. One uh, week.
1: Actually, yeah. Like, uh, we're flying out on Monday the 19th, so it's... uh We're... Yeah, we're ready to rock, and uh, all our crates are in St. Louis already, and uh, we got a lot of work to do to set up our booth.
2: Oh, geez. So, so for people outside the industry who might not know what you do, what is Poison Props?
1: So, Poison Props is a animatronic company. We do Halloween haunted house animatronics that uh, basically... We try to prey on everybody's fears, whether it's arachnophobia or clown phobia, uh, things coming from above, things coming from below, monsters, zombies, vampires, pretty much you name it, asylum. So we try to cover like all the different themes in A Haunted House. So no matter what your show is, we've got a prop for you. And um, yeah, so we've been doing it for 11 years now, and... It's been quite a ride. It's one of those things that I'm still surprised I'm doing it because I was just a haunt enthusiast like most people, and it just grew into this business, and it just kept going.
2: Well, and the, and uh, people who have been to scarehouse have seen your stuff in action, uh, peppered throughout. Uh, I think, I think yeah. just about every one of our haunts right now has, exactly like you said, something that is – From from all angles, and one of the things, uh, so many things I love about your animations, uh, they're so durable, which is not something you can say a lot about a lot of vendors in this industry, to be honest. And it's funny because I think, I was just talking to Nino uh, the other day, I think the very first animation we bought from you was... Uh, a very simple thing of a, just a rat coming out of a box. I believe that guy was chugging in for a good eight or nine years, and wow. you know, and wow. it's one that, and it's one of those animations that I love because I'm like, well, what you know, scarehouse. We change our themes a lot. We do a lot of different things, but I'm like, we'll usually be able to find a place to put a rat in a box, and uh, you know, it's been yeah. funny too. Like we bought a uh zombie horde from you uh a few years ago. It was, you know, three or four zombies coming at coming at oh boy, Pittsburgh. And um <laughs> that's been yeah, fun because that we had you know, when we had Pittsburgh zombies, they were zombies. And then once that haunt got turned into Krampus, they were Krampus's dark elves. And then once Krampus went away, they became demons. And uh I think that's something that I've always appreciated uh, beyond the, here here comes the testimonial, uh, beyond the level of service and how how great everything's built is that you, just like you said, you're building stuff that's designed to scare people, but is also somewhat universal because there are other vendors out there who have incredibly specific animations and you go, well, okay, if I'm doing a medieval theme, that's awesome. But how many years am I going to do a medieval theme? But to have right. just these like these guts of things that you can sort of switch and alternate, uh, I really appreciate that. And I guess that's one of my questions is, is that sort of by design or is that sort of a happy circumstance?
1: Um, I'd say more of a happy circumstance. I mean – I, I certainly get a ton of custom orders, so we'll do you know whatever it is. Like, hey, can you do that in? Uh, can you put overalls on him and and change the character out from a pumpkin to like a an evil farmer? And yeah, we do the, you know we do custom stuff like that all the time. We'll do like full custom things. Like, hey, can you make me a Frankenstein show where Frankenstein's on the table and he pops up and the doctor's talking and he throws a scissor and there's sparks flying? So. We could do custom stuff like that, and we do all the time, which is great because it keeps us busy during the off season, and it also, uh, you know, creates new stuff for our inventory as well. And uh, to to get back to the durability thing, that is something that um, I found so important because, you know, I, I've been doing this for eleven years, and the thing about doing what, what we do and what I do is that you have to be willing to learn. And you have to be willing to, you know, talk to your clients and get feedback from them and find out, hey, you know, like how do the props hold up? And, you know, people come up to me at Transworld said, you know, this is great, but this happened. This was great, but this happened. And, you know, the first couple years I was like, okay, how can I make it better and stronger and faster? You know, simple things like welding bushings in the square tubing simple you know it, it takes a little more work but man is it worth it i mean you know l- you look at your rat it's lasted 8 years mm-hmm. you know that's kind of a good example of you got to be willing to learn you got to be willing to just put a little extra effort in so the stuff lasts and then also designing it so it's not so heavy that it's going to just you know tear itself apart because you know you're all this energy if it's on a scissor it's shooting out and at the end of that scissor all that energy has to go somewhere and that vibration. It could be so violent that it could just tear itself apart. So keeping the props light is another important thing too. And, and we've kind of figured out how to do that as well. So yeah, that's kind of, uh, get, you know, kind of putting a, a dot on the durability part.
2: Well, and that's one of the questions I want to ask for, uh, for people who are not deep into the industry it seems like such a challenge to create these animations because you have to create something that's, it's almost counterintuitive. You've got to create something that's got a lot of speed and aggression to startle and be scary, but exactly. It's also got to last all season long and be triggered every 20 seconds in some cases. So like, what's, what's that process like? How do you even sort of uh, deal with all that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's another good question. Like we have, uh, eight foot scissors, for instance, you know, we have props that shoot at eight feet and that, that is kind of like almost the max for me. It's like, you go any further past eight feet and you're kind of like getting into territory where you're like, Oh, let's see. Well, that is that all that energy at the very end of that, what's going to happen to the back end of the scissor? So, you know, I've kind of like figured out the sweet spot, obviously programming is super important. And then, uh, the speed controls, of course, like you can't just have cylinders just opening and closing, just slamming back and forth without having some type of control. So it's got a little bit of padding on it. So again, it doesn't tear itself apart. So, you know, again, over the years, it's just kind of like being in the trenches, like I am. And like, I physically tack together about 600 rigs a year. And then I physically program every single prop too. So, you know, being in the trenches and being the owner of the company is super important to me because then I I could keep control of the quality. And it's just one of those things that um, I don't know if I'll ever let go of, but you know, right now it's manageable and it has been over the last, oh, I don't know. I'd say four or five years, where we've kind of peaked out as far as how much business we can do. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a it's been a really good steady flow of, of business, and we just stay busy all the way from literally November until November. Um, like right now is like the slowest time we've had in years. Right wow. before the show.
2: <laughs> well, and that's something we talk about on the podcast, and I talk about to other business owners is. That scalability, because there is this thing it's perhaps a particular particularly American thing of oh, now we got to go bigger now we got to go larger, we need this, we need this without realizing uh I believe the expression is a more money more difficult right I'm kidding uh but the um but yeah, that very thing of I have seen so many businesses, not just in our industry of they get into that mindset of oh now now i'm gonna have a new new thing and get larger and larger and larger and you realize man your exposure just increases exponentially once you do that so if you are it's sort of like restaurants i i sort of feel like if you're lucky enough to beat the odds and make it work that's good just stay there be happy
1: right 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 exactly yeah Uh, absolutely it's uh it's so true. I see, you know, you see it all around you. People that are like, well, let's make this, let's blow this up, let's hire more people, let's get a bigger building, let's let's make, you know. And you're like, well, where are you going with it? You know, what's your audience? Who's going to buy this stuff? And people, people just shoot themselves in the foot just trying to blow a company up and make it gigantic without even having the customers.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you can uh, you can get those huge jackpots, but you can also have that huge hit. And you know, there, yeah. there's definitely uh, there's de- there's that movie. I'm not gonna even going to try to make poker analogies, but that movie Rounders, where you know you go in for the big score or do you just kind of grind it out? Now, in terms of challenges, your you know the big trade show is coming up. What is that process like? I mean, you've shipped all the stuff, but how huge of an endeavor is it to load in and set up all your stuff at Transworld?
1: So it's a that's a great question because I've got a decent sized shop. It's 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 only about thirty five hundred square feet, and um, so what we we do at the shop is we set up sections of the booth at a time. You know, we'll set up like the first side, and then we'll program it, we'll light it because we're in the dark zone, of course. So that that just makes my job even harder. (laughs) <laughs> it's like adding a whole another layer to the show because then we have to after we set everything up, then we got to light it. so we we basically set it up on one trigger point, so it basically the whole one side will go, you'll push a button, and then all the props will trigger in sequence, you know one right after another, all the way down the line. So we set that up, and then we create it all up and we ship it down to St. Louis, and then we have all our crates. Now the tricky part is we have to have subfloors on the showroom floor because we can't just screw into the concrete. So we have to take all the wood from the side of the crates, lay out a subfloor and the pallets and figure out this Rubik's Cube of how this is all gonna fit together and then you also have to cut around the electrical on airlines that are coming out of the floor. So the first day is just a nightmare because we're trying to get the layout just right. And then we usually have a bunch of bodies that are around saying, hey, how can I help? And I'm going – I'm just – my head's just going back and forth saying, uh, just hold on a sec. Just hold on a sec. Let me get this layout first. So we get our subfloor down, and then we start screwing down all the props. And then we got to build structures, of course, which, you know, we've got hallways, we've got things that are dropping down from overhead, and it's just, um, yeah, we're busting our butt for the first couple days. And we're actually coming in early this year because we've got so much to do um, to get this thing set up. So it'll give us a little buffer. Usually we our setup is two and a half days, day and a half, more like it, and um, this year we'll get an extra day out of it, so that'll help us if that answers your question.
0: Yeah. Adam, do you have a, a tech fabrication background? Like, was this something you were always interested in?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, my tech background is literally 0.0. 0. <laughs> I, 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 I was a sound designer for Warner Brothers for decades. And, um, you know, so I was always, you know, the sound aspect was was huge you know, in my life. I mean, I was doing it since I was literally in eighth grade. And uh, so that carried over into the prop building. And I just started looking online when I really got into it. A friend of mine, you know, he turned me on to motors, you know, good old windshield wiper motors. So I would go to junkyards and I would salvage, I would just take my tools and just start tearing out windshield wiper motors out of any car I could find. And then I'd bring them home and I'd, I started my own show at my house and I was using, everything was motor driven. And then a friend of mine, he turned me on to pneumatics one year. He says, you got to just try cylinders, try cylinders. So I did. And that year I built like, I think eight new, new animations, you know, from spiders that shot out to a granny that shot, uh, eight feet across Mm -hmm. the yard, all kinds of fun stuff. And, uh, it was such a huge hit. That that same friend said, why don't you get a booth at Transworld? Because the show is moving from Chicago to Vegas. So he, he literally just talked me into getting a booth. And I put up a website for 500 bucks. I printed out some catalogs, uh, packed the booth with like eight props, this little 10 by 10 booth, and you know had a banner. And by the end of the show, I made like 1,700 bucks. And I had a business, and I just had to go back and start building it. So then, yeah, anyway, uh, just going back and filling those orders out of my one-car garage, like a lot of other starters do, right? They, They build it out of their garage. I did that for the first year, and then moved into another shop, and then grew into another shop after that, and then another shop after that. And now this has been our home for the last five years in in the shop we're at now. Um, but yeah, to get back to the technical part, uh, I literally am, I'm very, uh, hands-on. So it's kind of like I experiment with things and that's, that's what I did. I did research and I just did experimenting. I taught myself how to weld and got a drill press and just went to town on how to build scissors. How to, you know, how can I make this mech smoother? You know, Oh, how about a trolley and a, and a track, you know, it's just, I was lucky enough to have, I guess, big eyes and just keep looking around for things and just, just keep digging, keep digging and and figure out ways to do things. And that's, that's what it is. I mean, that's definitely what this business is, is experimenting and getting in there in the off season and just going, okay, what can we do this year? (laughs)
2: Well, there is, I, I've said this before, there's no linear path. There's no school. There's no like, okay, here's how you get into the haunted house business. And I'm, I, I love hearing that story because there's so many people I know, again, not just in this business, but other uh, sort of creative endeavors who f- get themselves there and they're like, there's nothing in my history that points to me being able to do this, but I had the passion and you just figure it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to get back to like the first year I did my, my show at my house was literally two weeks before Halloween. And it's just one of those things that I'm absolutely meant to be doing what I'm doing right now. I mean, I had two weeks to prep for a show, you know, at, I asked my wife, she said, Hey, can we do this? Let's, can we, should we do this? Should we do a Halloween show or whatever? So she said, yes. So I, I literally didn't sleep for two weeks before Halloween at night. I was doing on the soundtracks. And then during the day I was just building, you know, whatever props I could make. And it was really, you know, back in the old school where you're stuffing bodies with newspaper, you're using ketchup for blood and sticking real, you know, butcher knives in these things, you know, you're going to, and it was just like, you know, it was real raw and stripped down, but, it was, you know, put on a show and, and literally everything I did, if I needed a, a piece of wood that was 16 inches long, two inches thick, I would look down at the ground and there it was. <laughs> it was, abso- it was absolutely serendipity that I'm doing what I'm doing. Cause that, you know, that's the way things have gone for me in this business. And I literally, you know, over, I think the course of like four years, I segued out of doing sound for Warner Brothers and full time into Poison Props because this was just, it was like right at the perfect time where Poison Props was keeping me way more busy than sound design was. So the transition was seamless and um, yeah, here I am just literally working pretty much every day (laughs) building props. It's, it's pretty crazy. And, um, I still have to pinch myself that I'm doing what I'm doing. Cause I, I still see myself as like a little fish in the big pond with all these, um, with all the amazing talent that I'm surrounded by at the show, I'm still slack jawed at what people bring and how, and how much talent I'm surrounded by. And I'm just, you know, I'm just this little guy that's been doing it for 11 years. And I feel like, I'm still you know I'm still learning, which you have to you, you have okay. to be open to that you have to be open to still learning and uh that's the way I see the show every every year I get there
0: and it's it's really cool if at transworld they do have this completely blacked out dark area it's a separate room, and you get to walk through and see these animations and it's like going to a haunted house like mm-hmm. and it's 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 a real fun yeah. treat.
1: You know, it's funny, too, because so many vendors that have vended in the dark zone, Mm -hmm. they do it once and they say, I'm never going back in there again. (laughs) And and they're like, don't do it when I because I I, I started doing the dark zone on my third year. First was Vegas. Second was St. Louis. And then the third was in the dark zone. And they're like, don't they're trying to talk me out of it. And and I literally once I went into the dark zone, I can't get out. (laughs) Well, and- I can't get out of it. It's it's um it's just I think it's part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of customers um want that visual you know that they, they want to be immersed in it. They want they want to get the feel of what it's going to look like uh, under a haunted house. You know, lighting. They, w- they want it. They want the whole strobe experience. You know, when the prop goes off, the strobe light kicks in, or whatever it is. I and mean, we have two-way mirror props too. So being in the dark zone for that is crucial. So why not? Why not do it right if you can?
0: I mean, you figure if it scares you, it's going to scare your customers.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, it's something I appreciate, and I think it's probably because we both come from uh, different, similar but different production backgrounds, is when you present at the show exactly what you say, you have the lighting, you have the sound, you are trying to create that whole experience. And uh, yeah. that is one of my pet peeves I see, not only on trade show floors, but in final attractions, where they have the animation, but they haven't spent the time and money to give it a really good... Sp- a sound system or light it the right way it's just oh there's a thing and here it comes like no that's, that's yeah that's a tool you've gotta you gotta light it you gotta sell it a little bit you gotta make it pop
1: yes yeah and that's what i really liked about your show at Scarehouse house too is um all the details you put in the lighting and the distract and scare and and like i love big rooms i love walking from a either a small hallway or a small space into a big room because that creates tension. Mm-hmm. And um I remember that I think it was a dining room scene or um there were tables and there was it was a heavily fogged room and you had different characters in the room and it just creates that intimidation that you don't know like what's going to come out from where because the room is so large. Um those type of things I just love. I love suspense. And that intimidation that you just don't know what's going to come at you next. And you guys did such a great job at that. I was just, (laughs) I was, I was talking about your show for months after I saw it. It was really great.
0: Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it, it was, it was definitely worth the trip. That was, uh, that was definitely on my bucket list. And I was so blown away by your show. I was, yeah, literally like, I just had no idea it was going to be that good. It was one of those shows.
2: Oh wow, thank you. Thank you very and and you know, you're coming from a part of the country that's you know, known for big elaborate productions and cinematic stuff. So uh that's a, that's a huge compliment. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, that's the thing Scott is that um like out here, you've got we've got uh, you know, Magic Mountain, we've got Universal, you know, um We've got not scary farm, right? So we've got all these big productions and tons of mazes, right? But there's there's no intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's you know you're staying and you're you know you're you're basically you lose that whole uh, intimacy and tension because it's just like this conga line you're going through, and it's like boom, 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 boom. boom. There's no breath. It's yeah. kind of like, obviously they got to get bodies through. I get that. There's, there's different types of haunts. I prefer the ones that have suspense in them because it's like that. Then you're really immersed in the experience and, and you guys pull that off really well. Huh. So and anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to go and travel, uh, during the legendary haunt tours to see all these great shows that I don't get to. Cause obviously I'm doing, you know, I'm doing my thing and it's like, it's, it's kind of tough to get out of town. So yeah, we're glad that we can do that once a year and go see these, you know, go travel and see like what three, three or four haunts during the legendary haunt tour. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any teasers for trans world this year? Anything you're real excited about bringing?
1: Um, you know, it's, it's a funny question uh, because we're bringing 25 props, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, every year I think, you know, oh, this prop is going to be, this is going to be the top seller. This is going to be the one, this is going to be amazing. And then it either ends up selling like two of them (laughs) or, or none. (laughs) And (laughs) And then something else will just kill. Like, uh, the Pumpkin King Lunger last year did really well. And I, I had no idea. I had no idea. So, um, we've got some Pennywise clowns coming to the show this year, Ooh. and uh, I think they're really cool. We've got a couple of those that um, are, you know, kind of themed after it, and uh, those are those are quite good. We got a wheelchair guy that I think is good. We've got a little alien table guy called the host. Ooh. So yeah, we've got some good ones. We also did a couple of nuns this year um, <laughs> after The Conjuring. <laughs> And, uh, I, I love them. I, I love the nuns. I think they're really freaky and creepy. And, uh, one of the nuns is on one of those eight foot scissors. So she comes, you know, it's kind of like in the movie, how she floated across the room. So we kind of emulated that same thing where she shoots out eight feet and the arms come out and they come up and the head's going all over the place as she's coming towards you to attack you while she's screaming. Um, and and that's the other aspect that is another thing that's super important is the sound. Yeah. And what we always try and do is stick the speaker, mount the speaker in the chest of the prop so it travels with the prop, so it's not disassociated, because a, a lot of people will just take the speaker and put it on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden... The, the, the sound's coming from the ground, but the prop is moving towards you, and it's not associated with a prop, mm-hmm. so it's disconnected so having that 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 monster or zombie or whatever it is coming at you with the sound in it that is half the experience to me and yeah. bringing that bringing those two things together and bringing them to life that that's kind of like the cherry on the cake. You know, that's, that's half the experience. Like if you, if it's kind of like watching a movie without the sound on Mm it, you're missing half the experience, you're missing it. So that's a super important part. We always try to do that whenever possible. Like 99% of the time the speaker is mounted in the chat.
2: The well sound, like you say, sound is, is so important and that's a big thing at ScareHouse. And I know we get a lot of uh, people have noticed our attention to sound and uh, we're crazy because we've got so many different soundtracks. Uh, it amazes me still to this day, there are some haunted houses that just have like one soundtrack playing over an entire section of the haunt or an entire floor, which uh, that gets old quick. Uh, but we, de- we similarly, when we're doing our scenes, that's the thing we do. We will get those uh, speakers that actually have arms on them so they can be mounted like right over your head like there, there's yeah, no yeah i i love our sound designers but they're always like well i'm trying to do a subtle thing i'm like okay <laughs> and they leave and uh they're probably not right. listening, but as soon as they leave i turn it up uh because <laughs> there's no subtlety in a haunted house you know i mean we we allow ourselves to be more intimate than what the theme parks can do of course and i love that but you're still it's still rock and roll you still get a lot of people coming and going like there's always the guy, and and again, I know, I know I'm kind of waxing your car here, but you understand on your sound design, like no, it's got to be impactful. It's it's Led Zeppelin. It's got to hit them in the chest, and um, that is so much of what we try to do. Like even the quote unquote subtle parts, it it's still like it's about as subtle as a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Like we're we're there to rock. We're not there to be too understated.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny because we do we do ambient audio tracks as well. Uh, you know, all kinds of different themes. And that is kind of like one of my pet peeves if I can get on my little soapbox mm-hmm. for a second. So, if if I'm going through a haunted house, right? And you've got some organ music or some like, you know, just basically music playing as I'm going through the show. I'm already, I pulled out. I, I'm already, I'm not in the experience anymore because now I feel like, why is there music playing in a haunted house in all these different rooms? And it's kind of, it. it's not tying me into the sequence.
2: Yeah.
1: Like it's, you want, what you want to create, like whatever room you're in, you should have an audio track that goes with that, whether it's an asylum and you've got, you know, whatever, an asylum track playing, whatever that is. And then, uh, let's say you've got a, uh, you're out in a swamp with crickets and swamp. So it's kind of like you, you want to have the soundtrack that matches your room. Otherwise, you're getting pulled out of the experience. And that always, that's like, oh man, why are they playing organ music in here? This doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But (laughs) you know, but that, that's my audio background, just kind of gnawing away at me. But, but you you might as well submerge yourself in the experience. Every way you can, whether it's audio, whether it's smells, your actors, fog, whatever it is, you want to put the people in that room in every way you can, and that's that. Anyway, that that's kind of been one of my little pet peeves. Yeah. That um. That, well, that's why I created all those ambient audio tracks for that very reason.
2: You would appreciate, I think. I, I was saying before about scarehouse sound design. One thing we do, uh, we do the uh, you know basically a glow stick weekend like a lot of haunted houses do in November, but we go the other way. We turn off almost all the sound, so that actually is an interesting experiment because now you're going through the entire experience, you know, pitch black with just the glow stick, of course, but it's also deathly quiet, deathly still.
1: Exactly. That exactly. That is yeah, so intense. That- That gets your whole, all your senses are heightened now, right? Because now it's kind of like every little creak is something now, you know, every little sound you hear, whether, how, whatever, how subtle it is or how loud it is, your senses are heightened and they're amplified now. So that is a great, I remember, I actually remember talking to you about that after the show (laughs) at your show. And, uh, yeah, that's such a great idea. Again, it creates that intimacy, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I've said before on, because we will get, you know, whenever we do interviews or sometimes on podcasts, people will talk about what what are the high-tech toys? And nine times out of 10 at ScareHouse, the things I get excited about are, oh, we have a very tall clown in a very small closet. Like that's, you know, I love all the the, the bells and whistles of new video stuff and everything else, but... Nine times out of ten, that sort of organic, real scare, you know, we'll use the technology of sound in particular to set the mood. But the actual guts of our attraction tend to be human, mechanical, physical, you know, they're not the high tech stuff. It's old school clown jumping out in your face.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah, yeah.
2: And... Well, we should probably let you go because yeah. transfer is coming, and you've got a bunch of well, you've already shipped your crates, but you got you've got to mentally prepare to unload all those crates,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, of course, I have to pack my screw gun in the suitcase, so i'm <laughs> so I'm ready to go when I land
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and House- we get off the plane, we're like, okay, give me the luggage, get the screw gun out, get the knife out, All right, let's go to town, we got these crates done button.
2: And Scarehouse would like to announce our new haunt for 2018, Flying Nuns and Scary Clowns. Uh
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um oh, we we have a new fly too. We did a fly that's um uh, stuck to the ceiling too. It's one another one of my favorites. Oh, cool. Um uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. He's, you know, he's stuck to the ceiling and he drops down and he spits air at you and head goes all over the place. He, he's really gross. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for being a part of our podcast. It was so awesome talking to you.
1: Yeah, likewise, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.
2: And and for people who uh, want to get a sneak peek or who want to find out more, where can they find you on the interwebs?
1: Poisonprops.com. Awesome. Yeah, actually, you can find all the new stuff under our 2018 props. We put everything up before the show because, um, well, you know, people like to buy stuff and why make them wait?
2: That's always as as a, as a buyer. That's always such a difficult decision for me. Like, uh, do I want to look or do I want to wait? It's sort yeah. of like shaking the toys before Christmas. I'm like, I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and that also helps us uh, to sell a lot of the floor models before we get to the show too. Wow. So, yeah, it's great because uh, we we're bringing 25 and we've sold 15 already. Wow. So we only have 10 more to go. So um, you know, we try to leave light because. At the end of that show, it is a nightmare because we have to get everything created back up. And thank God we've got so many buyers that take the floor models. So we just have to unscrew things and then give them the controller, give them the prop, and then we don't have to create it up. So we go, we come there with six and we leave with one crate. This year it might be two. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's always the goal is to kind of get home light because oh man if we had to take home all those props that <laughs> would be oh that would be brutal so yeah anyway uh great talking to you guys talking to you too thanks and so much. thanks again for having me oh gosh, absolutely thank
0: you and make sure you say hi to at hi to adam at poison props if you're heading head to trans world and if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe so you'll get all the brand new podcasts without even trying they'll just be there and share them with your friends and of course leave feedback Good feedback, please. <laughs> Preferably. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Have a nice day. Talk to you soon. All
1: right. Bye,
2: you guys. Bye. Right. Thank you, Adam.